I think for me, Max Cornet brings a little bit of spice to that. You know, if you want, I can't say that. I don't All right, know. I've, I've just, I've, we've got to mention our special guest today is Chris Eubank. <laughs> I think, um, <laughs> to, to quote Chris Eubank, Max Cornet brings a little bit of spice to this Burnley side. I can't keep that in, can I? No. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to edit this back. What are you doing? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to another episode of the As It Stands podcast. Episode four is going to be our transfer special uh, to coincide with the closure of the transfer winners across Europe. We're going to be sinking our teeth into some of the biggest deals across the summer and there have been some big ones. As always, I'm John and I'm joined here with my good friend Connor. And Connor, before we dive into the transfers, we're going to uh, see a return of Drop Bench Start and I've got one for you here. Drop Bench Start, Paul Scholes, Frank Lampard, Stephen Gerrard. Um, Paul Scholes is going absolutely nowhere near my team. Oh, wow. Okay. It's, it's as simple as that. Um, I'd go as far as saying I, I don't really care who's involved between Gerard or Lampard as long as Paul Scholes is nowhere near it. Uh, if I'm committing to to an answer, I'm starting Stephen Gerrard, benching Frank Lampard and dropping Paul Scholes. Kind of seems to be out there to alienate the Manchester United fans <laughs> this week. When people discuss whether it's Gerard or Lampard, it's always Gerard or Lampard. It's not Gerard Lampard or Scholes. People try their best to put Scholes into that mix. And for me, he shouldn't be anywhere near it. I'll throw one right back at you. Didier Drogba, Thierry Henry, Sergio Aguero. <laughs> well, off the top of my head, start Sergio Aguero, bench Thierry Henry, drop, drop Drogba. Oh, I was so worried about you dropping Thierry Henry. No, I don't think I can drop him. Why are you starting Aguero over Omri? Thierry Omri is obviously an, a, a class act, world-class player. Drogba is probably slightly overrated compared to the other great strikers of the Prem. I think it's just a matter of preference for me. I think Sergio Aguero has a better goals-to-minutes ratio than Thierry Omri. We've always compared current strikers to Thierry Omri, mm. but I feel like now it's gone a level above where we're now going to be start comparing strikers to Sergio, Sergio Aguero. Aguero. Yeah. And I think people will do that ahead of comparing them to Didier Drogba. Yeah. But for me, he's definitely... He's, yeah, I agree with you. The comparisons will definitely be about Sergio Aguero. I mean, begin as you mean to go on. I think we've insulted half of the Premier League fan base. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a strong start. For well, it seems such a long time ago at the start of June when Emi Buendia made his move to Aston Villa. And since then, we've seen sensational business been made by teams. We've seen ridiculous transfers happen left, right and centre. This has been the most chaotic transfer window I think we're going to ever experience. Where do you even want to start in digesting the last 10 to 12 weeks? Well, in terms of the Premier League clubs anyway, I think is only one place to start is your team Arsenal, actually. Oh dear. <laughs> it's going to be fun. With your hand on your heart, can you say that this Arsenal team is better than the team last season. Have Arsenal made improvements in this transfer window? Yes. If Arsenal had picked up four, five, six points so far this season, I don't think they'd be under so much fire. All six players that they've picked up under the age of 23. I think Gary Neville said it in his interview that he doesn't understand what this Arsenal strategy is. Mm. The situation at Arsenal was very clear. They build for the future. They build a foundation. Renewed Bukayo Saka's contract last year, as well as Gabriel Martinelli's. Gave Smith-Rowe a new deal this season. It's very clear what this Arsenal process is. My worry is that the team is getting built for a different manager. And that if the performances mm. and the results don't pick up, I've been very vocal 
about how dreadful of a start of the season it has yeah. been. If we start to see this Arsenal side that's fully fit and ready to go and the whole team is fit and the performances are still lacklustre, that's when you can understand the negativity and the hatred that comes yeah. towards it. Yeah. They've gone down the route of Fulham a few seasons back. Fulham came up to the Premier League and splashed £125 million plus on players. Yeah. You know, Andre Schürrle came in, for example. Arsenal have done that too. In six players, they've really gone for it. Mikel Arteta needs these players to work. He really does. And to sort of play the role of devil's advocate, uh, to go back to Gary Neville's comments um, about the, the lack of transfer strategy apparently going on, is he, maybe he's not referring to the, like, the age or the calibre of the player, but maybe the transfer fit. I mean, you've spent £75 million between Aaron Ramsdale and Ben White. Is, as an Arsenal fan, is that a concern for you where the money is going? It's not a concern for me because it's not my money. It's not coming out of my pocket. You know, you've got to trust the club in in what they're doing. You know, if it's twenty four million of my bank account, I'd be going, <laughs> "Why are you spending it on Aaron Ramsdale?" But you know, the average age of the Arsenal squad in the last three years has dropped from twenty seven point three to twenty four. So there's mm. the process that Gary Neville wants in terms of the expenditure. Players are available for what clubs want to sell them at. Football is a mm. business. Sheffield United wanted £40 million for Ramsdale at the start of the window. We've picked him up for 24 with add-ons. The same with Ben White. I'm fed up of hearing people compare Ben White and Raphael Varane's transfer. It's two completely different transfers, isn't It's it? ridiculous. Yeah. Raphael Varane, with a year left on his contract, he didn't want to sign, he wanted to leave. Madrid had to sell. The fact that United still paid £40 million for him isn't the best bit of business. It's, I think a sen- it's, I think it's, it's a sensational signing, don't get me wrong. But when you compare it to Ben White, five, five years on his new deal, a regular for Brighton, they didn't want to sell. Of course. Listen, Arsenal have finished top spenders in the window, as we know, at 150+. plus. Have they signed any top signings? We don't know yet. I'm certainly not as excited about Erdegaard joining as I was envious of Ronaldo joining United yeah. or of Grealish joining City. But one thing I will say on Arsenal is the outgoings. 21 players have left this summer and only one of them has gone for a transfer fee. Joe Willock's moved to Newcastle. Mm. There is something going seriously wrong at Arsenal at the lack of ability to sell players because they've been signing players like Willian, like Kolasinac, who have a low ceiling and a low sell-on value and that gets stuck at this club. Mm. David Luiz released, Mustafi released... Uh, William released, bought himself out of his own contract to try and get out of this club. <laughs> it just goes to show that the recruitment process in terms of outgoings is shambolic. Well, how would you rate their window out of 10? Uh, it's a difficult one. I'm going to give it a seven. Yeah. Instead of splashing £60 million on two players that are marquee signings, Arsenal have picked up four or five areas that needed improvement and where the quality of player in those areas may not be there on show just yet. Yeah, it remains to be seen. The yeah. fact that they have identified those areas and found their men for it, I'm giving them a seven. I mean, six is a good rating for me anyway. It was a decent... It was an unremarkable window, but a solid window, because I think, like you said, they did address those areas that they needed to address. It's just going to take time. Aston Villa's transfer window massively overshadowed by the departure of Jack Grealish. And it was mm-hmm. always how they're going to spend the Jack Grealish money. Do they go and buy a replacement for Jack Grealish directly? But as we saw from the technical director in his video... Yes, of course, yeah. They went on a very different approach. In terms of planning, they had one of the greatest windows in the Premier League. I mean, that video was, I think we both agreed, was just astonishing. 
you never see that in football nowadays. The, the, the transparency from the shareholders and the owners to the fans. Um, and that's why fans get frustrated because they're not always in a know about what goes on behind closed doors. They knew this moment was coming for at least a year and they've acted accordingly because um, rather than hinge all of that pressure of replacing such a quality player in one player, yeah, spot on. they've gone and done it over three. But what Aston Villa have done, like you said, is split that responsibility between three players. If Leon yeah. Bailey's not firing, chances are Danny Ings is. Chances are Buendia is. Yeah. They've got their own pressure. Of course they have, but they're not holding the weight that Captain Jack Grealish had. Course, I think yeah. that's remarkable strategy. And uh, in the early stages of the season, got Danny Ings firing already. Buendia scored his first goal um, the other week against Brentford. Mm. Uh, so it's it's going to take it's going to take a while for those three to set in and truly find their best form. Not seen too much of Leon Bailey yet. So it's exciting. I think it's exciting times for Villa fans, despite the obvious departure. Villa's window is a nine out of ten. Yeah, I'm happy to give a to give a nine out of ten as well on that one. New boys Brentford. We've already seen a lot of their players in action, including some fresh faces. I wouldn't say a straightforward transfer window for Thomas Frank, but a very concise plan. They brought in Christoph Ayer, and they've hit the ground running already for Brentford. Yeah. Yeah, I've spoken about Christoph Ayer before from Celtic. I think it's a it's a really really good signing. But the key thing is for a newly promoted side is that they're on a high. They've been promoted. Brentford played exceptionally well in the Championship last year. Played some cracking football at times. You want to keep that core mentality in the squad. You don't want to change too much. Yeah. Because then the team the team cohesion's gone. The chemistry's gone. You know, these guys are buzzing. They're in the Premier League for the first, a lot of them for the first time in their careers, you know, and they're, they're, they've played so well together. Why would you change that? Of course, you need quality signings, as we just mentioned there, to, to keep up with the rest of the Premier League in terms of player quality. But for me, the big one for Brentford was keeping a lot of what made their last season so successful and taking that into a higher level. Massively so. And like you said, keeping that squad unity and not doing a, a Fulham like we mentioned earlier with Arsenal. Being promoted and thinking what we need is just lots and lots and lots of players, lots of options, spending 130 plus million. And if it doesn't work, you've got these ridiculous players on high wages that have underperformed. They've kept that tightness together and it gives them the best chance of staying up and actually attacking this league like we've seen already with points against Villa and Crystal Palace and obviously the win against Arsenal it's a great start for them for me a good seven and a half out of ten yeah solid window solid window seven out of ten uh, over the last couple of weeks we've spoken a bit about Brighton's big Achilles heel which is their lack of goals their lack of finishing have they addressed that in this window no I mean Brighton have spent big money you know, 20 million 16 million 7 million over three signings and I don't quite understand Graham Potter's thinking behind some of their signings don't get me wrong Enoch and Wapu is a sensational signing from Salzburg mm. to play alongside Basuma rather than instead of they've added Mark Cucurella and Abdallah Simo as well but both wide players so I feel like instead of replacing Neil Mope or giving him competition they're supporting him and trying to get other players involved in and around him to lose that reliance on the French striker. Yeah, well, yeah, as you mentioned, that that seems to be the case regarding their transfer strategy. I think I'm surprised as you are as well that they didn't bring a out and out striker mm. to support that sort of void that they apparently have in their squad. The players that they have signed, I mean, you've got uh, 
Cucurella, who's another great signing. He came in on deadline day. He can also play, he can play as a bit of a wing back or a midfielder. So he's almost very, very much almost like a utility player in mm. that sense. Yeah. So they've got a lot more fe- flexibility in that squad and that should help, as you say, ease the reliance on Mope. And I noticed that they loaned out Simmer straight away to Stoke City. Mm. He's only 20 years of age. It's quite surprising, actually, because he's been wanted by quite a few Premier League clubs. So. Yeah, I believe West Ham are after him, too. So it's. Well, I mean, he's play, he plays for Sparta, Slavia Prague, so everyone's linked <laughs> there for us. <laughs> Everyone joined there. <laughs> it really interesting to note as well for Brighton in the three big signings that they have made, all under the age of 23. Yeah, very, very similar uh, to Arsenal. Mm. I think they're very much thinking long term with this window. Graham Potter under substantially less pressure than Mikel Arteta, though. Of, of course, yeah, because various things, like including stature of the club and performances so far. I think Brighton have had quite a, a reasonably good start to the season. It's going to be an interesting few weeks for Brighton just to see how everyone else gels in. Yeah, like we said, Brighton haven't identified areas that they should have done, but who they have brought in, it makes Brighton a better side. For me, they get a 6 out of 10. I think I'm going to go 7 on Ooh. that as well, sticking on a 7. We know very well about Sean Dyche's side that he's never really got lots of money at his disposal. He's never really splashing the cash for this Burnley side. It looked quite a a tough window for them, bringing in Aaron Lennon and Wayne Hennessy for free. You thought, oh, that's as good as it gets for, for Burnley at Turf Moor. But the introduction of Nathan Collins from Stoke, highly rated central defender. And then the last late deal of Max Cornet. I think what Max Cornet does bring to this Burnley side is a little bit of excitement for fans to sort of get behind. Dwight McNeil had it a lot when he broke through into the team and he's settled himself down now. It's not a Burnley side that you look at on paper and go, I can't wait for him to play. He could just bring a little bit of flair to a Burnley side that is otherwise quite dull and dry. Yeah, I mean, we spoke about Burnley and uh, the big worry for us regarding Burnley was their lack of transfer activity would come back to bite them in that they wouldn't get the quality that they'd need to compete with other teams who are more readily available to go and get that quality. Mm. It just seemed like Burnley were falling behind a bit. Yes. And that's why I was surprised by the Maxwell Cornet signing, because like I said, it is a very un-Burnley-like signing. They don't really dip into that side of the market, but they've done that now, and maybe that's a change of fortune. I still I still think Burnley will struggle, but it's uh, it was a surprising signing, yeah. And I think it's the highlight of their window. And good for Sean Dyche to get two signings over £12 million under his belt. That must be a... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, they've had to be resourceful, and I think Sean Dyche is exactly that—a resourceful manager, both on the field, off the field, and in the transfer market. I'm giving him a good five out of ten. I feel. Yeah, slap bang in the middle. But one of the most interesting windows came from Stamford Bridge in Chelsea. Yeah, it was a slow transfer window for Chelsea. Realistically, Tuchel going very much along the forefront of I don't need many, I just need quality. Supported Timo Werner. With the signing of Romelu Lukaku, you know, 100 plus millions, a huge price tag, but one that's worthy. And you thought that Chelsea's business was finished, but the deadline day acquisition of Saul from Atletico is a real marquee signing for them that I think a lot of people are going to let go under the radar, I feel. Yeah, well, I think the reason it's gone slightly under the radar was because the, the for a long time, expected signing of Jules Kunde, which didn't happen. Mm. I mean, uh, in terms of their outgoings, they, they did good business to uh, actually get rid of a lot of sort of deadwood at the club to finance these big deals that they were going for. Unfortunately for Chelsea, only one of the two supposed big deals was going to go through in Roman Lukaku. I mean, the uh, story was is that they had to sell Kurt Zuma to get Jules Conde. Mm. When that happened, Jules Conde didn't happen. So I, can, I think there's a little bit of disappointment for Chelsea that they didn't get their star man 
in that regard, but they certainly made up for it a little bit with the late, late uh, acquisition of Saul from uh, Atletico Madrid. Yeah, superb signing that really bolsters their midfield. And I'm giving Chelsea a 9 out of 10 for their window, Ooh. not just because of who they've brought in and not even because of who they've let go, but the fees that they have received for these players. Tammy Abraham for £36 million, Kurt Zuma for 31 Tomori for 26 Zappa Costa, remember him? £8 million they're getting for him. Whoever is in charge of selling players at Chelsea needs the biggest high five <laughs> imaginable. Yeah. Their ability to get rid of players for that amount of money to then finance these huge moves like Lukaku it is stunning. I mean, they've even picked up four million for Victor Moses. No, yeah. I'm giving them a nine out of ten for that window. Simple. Uh, eight out of ten for me. I think Ooh. the missing of Jules Kunde, okay. who they've spent a lot of the window attempting to chase down, and it didn't work through. For me, that pegs it down from a nine to an eight. We've spoken very highly in the last few weeks of Patrick Vieira and the job that he's got on his hands at Crystal Palace. I don't want to commit early, but we could be sniffing at my first 10 out of 10 window. Oh, wow. I think the business that Palace has done this summer is probably going to make me look stupid and they'll finish 17th. <laughs> but on paper, the business that they've done is all solely down to Patrick Vieira for me. Yeah, you've spoken quite extensively about the pull that Patrick Vieira has had since he's come to Crystal Palace and the players he's brought in. I must admit, I've not fully agreed with that statement. Until the last couple of days of the transfer window, I think the signing of Edward from Celtic is an absolute class signing for Crystal Palace uh, because he, he, he the cal just for the calibre of player, I mean, he was linked mm. to clubs like Leicester at one point mm. and now he's at Palace for like not even £15 million. It's a, mm -hmm. it's a great signing for them. And it and again, it plugs up one of the key areas that they miss. I mean, you obviously we obviously know about Ben Teke's goal-scoring record. Uh, Jordan Ayew started against West Ham. I was watching the highlights and I think someone mentioned that he's got one goal in 45 games. No, yeah, he'll score his next one against Arsenal. I think, it's, I think it that one goal actually came against West Ham. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's a huge area of concern and what a way to, to sort of reply to that mm. in Edward. So I've been swayed by Crystal Palace's window. It, my rating has definitely gone up for them. I think the key for Crystal Palace this summer was bringing the average age of their team down. Roy Hodgson inherited and trusted a very ageing Crystal Palace squad. Scott Dan has left in his 30s. Um, Mamadou Sacco's gone. Townsend's gone. Cahill, James McCarthy, Patrick Van Aanholt. Players who are coming up to or creeping into their 30s and has replaced them with this exciting, fresh breath of fresh air for the club. You know, mm. Conor Gallagher coming in has already hit the ground running yep. with his double against West Ham. Joachim Anderson as well. That's a great signing for them. And they got their business done early in Anderson and Michael Elise. Vieira has seen the first three games of the season and has reacted to that, bringing in Will Hughes from Watford. That's an underrated signing. Don't let that slip under the radar yeah, for me. Yeah, I completely forgot about that one, actually. Yeah. And again, with Conor Gallagher and Odson Edward, you know, mm. it's a great bit of business for yeah. Crystal Palace. Look, they need to work. It needs to work. You know, a net spend of £66 million for Crystal Palace. The, the owners and the board have backed Vieira and it has to work. It does, yeah. They're getting a nine for me. I'm just going to hold off on the 10 out You're of 10. You're going to hold off on the 10. I'm going to hold off on the 10. Yeah, I'd probably give them uh, an eight. Not many Everton fans were a big fan of Rafael Benitez coming in, but after this transfer window that Everton have had, are they Rafa in a bit more now? 
you're thinking, okay, why are Everton doing this? But from what I've seen from the first three games, I'm probably sounding a lot more positive than I actually am. I think I'm just going to give Everton about like a six. It's far away from the best window that a club in the Premier League has had. But I think the coach and Rafa Benitez will get the best out of a lot of the players that he's brought in. And if Solomon Rondon scores 15 goals a season, then a lot of people will look at that and say, actually, that's a coup in itself. I think the players that Everton have let go are better than the players that Everton have brought in. Moise Keane, for example, I know full well that it never really clicked at Everton for him. And I know he was desperate to go back to Juventus, certainly with Ronaldo leaving. But Moise Keane coming out, even Theo Walcott. I'd rather play Theo Walcott than Andros Townsend. They're getting a three out of ten okay. for me. What about just a final word before I give my rating? They've managed to keep their best players in Calvert Lewin in Richarlison. Did you hear many transfer rumours of Calvert Lewin this summer? Not particularly, no. There we go. I know Richarlison was linked to PSG, but did anything come from that? I think that would only happen if Mbappe went. There we go. Yeah. For me, it's been a shocker. Three out of ten. I'm sorry, Rafa, but. It's not happening. Six out of ten. You are so kind. (laughs) Uh, A team that I'm not usually kind on is Leeds United, but I have to say, quite impressed with their transfer window. They've kept it very tight, very a bit like Brentford. They've kept the unity there. They haven't really sold anyone that makes you go, oh, I can't believe you got rid of those, you know, potentially held a cost or a loan to Valencia, loses you a bit of pace off the bench. But Junior Firpo, Jack Harrison, especially Dan James, what a signing that is for them. Yeah, I mean, I think there'll be question marks over his £30 million price tag. Is that not a bit much for Dan James? Yeah, 26.1 it's coming in at. Probably a little bit too much for a player of his lack of quality in a Manchester United side. But he'll thrive in this league. Absolutely. Yeah, he'll absolutely. I mean, he's um, he's a very deadly player in a quick team. And give him credit, I think he did a lot better than people thought he would at Manchester United. I think he made over 50 Premier League appearances. Uh, in in a side where he wasn't ever really going to be a set starter, especially now with the signings that United have made. Mm. I don't think he's done too bad at United, but I think he'll fit in a lot more at Leeds. He'll be given a lot more of a vocal role in this Mm. team. And I think he'll thrive on it. I think so. There's a bit of pressure there. You know, £50 million plus spent from Leeds this summer. They finally got their man. They wanted him when he was at Swansea. It never quite happened. But like like Mm. we said, I think he'll thrive in this Leeds side who play open attacking wide football. Yeah, I was very impressed with the signing of Jack Harrison, actually, just for the fee that they got him for. I think it was mm. a highlight of their season last season. To barely break the £12 million mark on him is, is, is a really good bit of business. It's a good it's a good window for Leeds. They're getting a good 7.5 from me. I'm going to go 7. 7 seems to be my rating today for a lot of teams. On to Leicester City, and uh, it's quite well, world-renowned by now. We don't need to spend too much time on how good their scouting has been over mm. the last few years. The, the, the players that they brought in, like N'Golo Kante, one of the best midfielders in the world, um, was completely like unknown when he came in at Leicester. Uh, they look to be sort of doing the same again with the signing of, of Dakar and Sumare as well from uh, Lille. Obviously, he just won the title with Lille, didn't he? Mm. Uh, so they seem to be going down that route again. I'm quite excited. Vestergaard is a bit more well-known uh, from Southampton. I think they've made some good quality signings as well at decent prices. I'm I'm very happy with uh, the Leicester window. I think I'm gonna. I think I said something like an eight out of ten, maybe stretching to a nine, depending on how their performance, the performances of the players that they brought in. It's a ten out of ten window for me for Leicester oh, wow. City. I think they've been remarkable. You touched upon the scouting process that they've got. They seem to just find these players out of nowhere, and there's no reason to suggest why the players that they haven't brought in this window aren't going to follow the same suit as Kante did, as Mares did. 
They seem to have a knack for these players. And the best part about their window, nobody has been sold that makes you question why they've left. They're not worse off for the outgoing. Exactly. They are stronger than what they were beforehand, and they were already strong. Kept hold of James Madison after links to Arsenal in the summer. A new deal for Harvey Barnes. This looks. This is a Leicester side that looked good. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you a lot, actually. But the reason I'm not going straight to the 10 is because I personally need to see these players perform, and I need to see these players kick on for Leicester. Because, uh, as always, the risk when you sign players that are a bit under the radar... It can backfire, and there could, the reason that they could be under the radar is because they're not good enough. I, I, I highly doubt that's the case, but I just need that confirmation on the pitch to make it a 10 out of 10 for me. We now move on to a very, very quiet Liverpool side. <laughs> Jurgen Klopp spoke very publicly about what he wanted in the window, and he spoke consistently about he'll wait for the right opportunities. They picked up Canate very early, before the window even started. The deal was confirmed in February, March time. Yeah. The only player that Liverpool have brought in, mm. should they have done more? I think there's an aura of disappointment surrounding Liverpool's window, because as you said, the early acquisition of Canate um, sort of promised a more active Liverpool. I think, But I think the highlights of, of that window is... Uh, Kunate and I think you know the Jordan Henderson Renu is a big one for them because obviously there were uh, there was threats of a repeat of the Jorginho Wijnaldum situation. Mm-hmm. I think they've done well to clear the air with giving him a new contract. Allison too, it. new deals for Allison for Trent Alexander Arnold too. Yeah, of course, staple staple players in that Liverpool team. I think a six out of ten for Manchester City, heavily linked with superstars like Harry Kane. Cristiano Ronaldo, Lionel Messi throughout the summer. But it's the outgoings at Manchester City that raise a few concerns. Yeah, and it's uh, widely publicised that the outgoings were there to fund the Jack Grealish transfer of, you know, £100 million, £105 million, it says there, actually. Obviously, we've spoken about the Jack Harrison signing with Leeds United. Mm. Bit of appraisal for Leeds there for getting him for the fee that they did, 11 to £12 million. Aguero on a free, Garcia on a free... And I think a lot of them are also there to fund other transfers, which is where my disappointment for City comes in. You know, they've been linked heavily with Harry Kane and, we, you know, that whole debacle ended up staying, ended up staying at Spurs. You know, we had the late, late drama with the whole Ronaldo situation. It seemed that he signed for mm-hmm. City at one point and now he's at United. You know, the Lionel Messi stuff that stretches back to last year, they didn't get him. And now he's on a free transfer. He's gone to PSG. I just feel like, City have missed out on a lot of their top targets. Mm. And for me, looking from an outside looking in, a little bit underwhelmed by City's window, actually, in the grand scheme of things. I don't know how much of it is Pep Guardiola refusing to pay these huge fees and how much of it is clubs digging their heels. You know, Daniel Levy at Tottenham dug his heels in. Mm. But if you want Harry Kane, it's going to be for a barbaric transfer yeah. fee and credit to them for keeping hold of him. Jack Grealish improves this Manchester City squad and they still remain title favourites. Because of their lack of activity, it's hard to judge them. They get a 7.5 for me. Six. From across the pond, from Manchester City to Manchester United, I'm just wondering if your first 10 out of 10 is going to come here. Manchester United's business, they've spent big and they've spent well. Yes, extremely well. Uh, It probably is going to be a 10 out of 10 because I just look at the players that they've brought in and it's just it's just oozing class. I mean, we've spoken before about teams that build with signings 
rather than splashing the cash on two or three or four players. And United have gone the route of splashing the cash. 76 million for Jaden Sancho, 36 million for Rafael Varane, and then of course you've got Cristiano Ronaldo, which you know it's said, said to be about 13.5 million. I heard that could raise to 20. Mm. And for a 36 year old, no matter who he is, it's a lot of money. Mm. But they brought in one of the best players in the world back to the club where it started for him. Yeah. So the, the excitement that the window has generated for United fans is just, you know, off the, off the scale. And it's no surprise when you look at the players they brought in. These are players that improve the team. You know, they've been looking for a right winger for ages and they've got that in Sancho. They need that commanding centre-back to alongside Harry Maguire. And they've got it, I said in the previous episode, Varane and Maguire is probably the best centre-back pairing United have had since Vidic Ferdinand. I stand by that. And then obviously you've got Ronaldo. You know, Ronaldo didn't come to finish top four. Ronaldo's come there to win trophies. And I feel like now that they've got to really, really push. I've been critical of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's man- management in big games and him, you know, and United missing chances to win silverware. Now that they've got the man that just wants to win everything, they need to go and try and win everything that they're in. I think that's the most passionate I've ever seen you about a subject. <laughs> that's phenomenal. You were fist bumping and hitting your own legs in the background there. You were you were going for it. <laughs> it's a sensational window for United and so much credit needs to go to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as well. The conversations that he's had with the players to help them move over the line, he hasn't got the credit that he deserved. A little bit on Manchester United themselves, they hired 50 new scouts before the transfer window started. Wow. I think all of them need a pay rise. Yeah. They've been stunning. <laughs> £441 million now spent under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And finally, they're bringing in some real quality. You know, And for Ronaldo, I'm hearing a lot of, he won't cut it in the Premier League. Of course he's going to. It's Cristiano Ronaldo. We've spoken so highly of Romelu Lukaku's season last year. Ronaldo outscored him. You know, since leaving, or since making his Premier League debut in 03, Ronaldo scored 476 goals in 586 games. Mm. He's one of the world's best for a reason, and he'll cut the mustard. He'll have a field day against this Arsenal back five. Of course he will. <laughs> Worth noting, you know, he's got his number seven shirt back. Cavani's taken the step back to take the 21 that he wears for Uruguay. Yeah, class. Of the last Manchester United number sevens before Cavani, Cavani scored 10 goals for United in the number seven shirt. But Michael Owen, Antonio Valencia, Di Maria, Memphis Depay, Alexis Sanchez, between them scored 14 goals. I think Ronaldo can beat that on his own this year. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. How many goals do you see him getting this season? Put your money where your mouth is. 25. (sighs) That's brave. He'll hit the 15 mark for me. Any more than that, I'm not sure. Still, 10 out of 10 window for United. I'm sticking to my guns, 10 out of 10. Uh, They can have a 9. I think Tom Heaton's a dreadful signing. (laughs) (laughs) They can have a 9 for me. Well, it's quite ironic that we go from a team like Manchester United who have signed many and with such quality and we move on to a Newcastle side, Joe Willock. I mean, credit to Newcastle and Steve Bruce. They got their man, Mm -hmm. but they probably spent so long chasing Joe Willock that no attention was put elsewhere. Yeah, and um, I mean, they struggled last season under Steve Bruce and I think the general consensus was is that they just need players and signings in to uh, to stop that from happening again. Mm. And that's the big frustration. Okay, they may have got their main man. Joe Willock was a revelation when he arrived in the second half of the season on loan at Newcastle. But they haven't built on that. They've done the bare minimum, I think, was expected of them. To get, which was to get a, a, a player that they technically already had. 
I think I'm leaning to about like a four out of ten. Yeah, it's a poor one. I mean, we know the the difficulties that Steve Bruce has with Mike Ashley as his owner. They're not really spoilt for cash. A bit like Everton, realistically. They're mm. not really splashing it anywhere. You know, 26 million is probably a better deal for Arsenal than it is for Newcastle. But Willock loved it there. Like you said, he thrived overall. A quite poor window. They got a four for me. With Brentford's window, which I praised, is that they've kept the hallmarks of that team from last season. Norwich haven't done that. They've got bit, they've got rid of probably one of their most influential players. Of course, they've got Timo Puki. They've got Todd Cantwell still. And I just feel like they needed a player of his quality, especially when they're moving into a league with such higher quality seeding than the championship. The sale of Brindia is incredibly disappointing. I mean, 34 million as well. Mm. When he's such a staple part of your team, I mm. think, you know, when and you see the amount of money that other clubs demand. I mean, Norwich are a self-funded club. They basically sell what they make. Yes. Um, so they're, not, they're never going to compete. I'm not excited by this Norwich side. I feel like they're inviting themselves to get turned over. Yeah. They get a four for me. Yeah, same four out of ten. That's a big part of Southampton's chunk that's gone missing. And yeah. they've replaced it with, with real quality at good yeah. prices too. Yeah. Adam Armstrong is a like-for-like replacement mm. for Danny Ings, essentially. And it's... Uh, He's been linked with the Premier League for a long time. You know, I think he's been a really good goal scorer in the Championship. I mean, I'm pretty sure that as a player, he'll be thinking it's about time I made the move up. Decent fee for him, £15 million. That's, that's my pick of the signings. Uh, Liveramento, didn't know too much about him, I must admit, before he came in, but he's had a fantastic start and for £5 million looks an absolute steal. Mm. And yeah, it's been a very, very solid window from Southampton. I'm giving them a very strong 8.5. Yeah, I'd give him an eight as well. Oh, I was going to go gonna, seven, but I'm going to go seven. I was, but I'm talking myself up to an eight. Tottenham, a summer full of saga with Harry Kane. Will he? Won't he? You were very critical of his personal statement. Yeah, just his his statement and his conduct in general. I think it was just out of order. I've actually spoken to a couple of Spurs fans, and they said that um, they'd rather he just have left and just had that over with. Yeah, which just shows you the amount of disrespect they probably felt. But um, yeah, as, I mean, Daniel Levy, we've praised him for his res- resolute yeah. uh, behaviour in keeping Kane. And, you know, he's professional. He'll come back, he'll score goals. He'll try and do his best for Tottenham this season. It's just whether or not they'll that will help boost him to challenge more for Champions League, challenge more for in Europe. Mm. I mean, it's a wonderful window that they have gone for. Our third newly promoted side of the window. We've spoken highly of Brentford and poorly of Norwich and their business. <laughs> How did you see Watford's movements in the transfer window? Um, well, there's certainly a lot of movement in the transfer window. Uh, I think the signing of Musa Sissoko is a very good signing. Emmanuel Dennis has started well mm. from Club Bruges. Only £3.6 million. Pounds. Mm. Like, I didn't realise it was that low. They made some very good business. They've gone about it quietly. Good window. Uh, I think 8 out of 10. Again, I'm... Um, Linking it back to Fulham, those few seasons ago, they've brought in a lot of players. You know, Josh King's come in, Danny Rose has come in, Ashley Fletcher, Sizoko, Tufan, like you said, Dennis, Imran, Luta. It's a lot of bodies into this side that Cisco needed to try and get this Watford side firing on all cylinders yeah. consistently. Yeah. If it doesn't work for Josh King, Ashley Fletcher's there. If it doesn't work for Ismail Assar, Emmanuel Dennis is there. They've given themselves a lot of options. Yeah. I'm giving them a seven. We just saw there the amount of business they did. Only a net spend of just under £4 million, which mm. is why I'm rating it so highly. So, yeah, I'm sticking eight out of ten for Watford. 
Two to go. Mm-hmm. Next up, West Ham. I'm going mm-hmm. to get my word in now okay. before I sit back, relax, <laughs> and let you go. We spoke very harshly and critically of West Ham in that the business was very lacklustre. There was a lack of transfer activity, only bringing in Alphonse Ariola. I think, two weeks before the window was about to shut. It was still only one player in. They've gone mad these last sort of yeah. two weeks and brought in some real quality. Kurt Zuma, Vlasic. It's a good window for me. Spent big. They've spent well. I'm giving them an 8 out of 10. Now I'll sit back and let you let loose. Uh, I think I've gone with 7 out of 10. <laughs> Again, another 7. But for me, I was initially incredibly concerned for lack of transfer uh, activity. I mentioned. I think I've mentioned that in pretty much every single episode of the pod so far. Uh, to the point where it's probably becoming a bit of a bore. But it is true. <laughs> uh, very incredibly thin squad and only one signing, the signing being a goalkeeper, which wasn't really a position of great concern. It was on the cards to be a very, very poor window for West Ham, but they certainly made up for it. Kurt Zuma, I think, is a class signing. Mm. Calibre of player coming to West Ham. He's a winner. Uh, so I think that's a fantastic signing. Vlasic is very exciting, uh, as is Alex Kral. Uh, Alex Crowe been chasing since the early points of the window. Um, it's also quite clear that we were waiting until the end of the window yeah. when the market would go down and the asking price of players would go down, which is clever. It's clever to get the best fees possible, but, but it's risky. Incredibly risky because, you know, we nearly didn't get Zuma. Mm. You know, you can imagine the outrage of that. Still disappointed we didn't get that striker. Antonio's now technically our only out and out striker in the team. Mm. Injury. Uh, I mean, I love him, but he's injury prone and he won't play every game this season. So it's interesting to see how we'll tackle that. Um, but yeah, 7 out of 10 for me. I think it was very clear, certainly from a West Ham standpoint and even from a football fan, that West Ham needed that backup goalkeeper to Fabianski, a potential to replace Dawson at centre-half and play alongside Ogbonna, needed that attacking midfielder, whether or not Jess Lingard would be picked up potentially needed a centre midfielder and a striker. And I think two weeks before the window had finished, knowing that West Ham needed five positions to fill, to come away from it filling four out of five, it's not half bad. I think you're being a little bit harsh on the fact that they haven't, (laughs) because you were very critical that nothing was happening. It's the quality of the window, not how long it takes, surely. Yeah, very good point. Um, Are you changing your seven? I'm I'm changing it to an eight now. You've, actually, <laughs> yes. you've, you've swayed me. You've swayed me. I'm I'm that easy. Our final team to discuss is Wolves. Quite a lacklustre transfer window. We've spoken about them previously. They only made one more signing since our last touch on them, and that was bringing in Chan Huang from RB Leipzig. Another striker in to try and sort out the goal problem that they had and give Raul Jimenez some some support, but. Otherwise, other than Francisco Trincao, it's quite a poor window for Wolves. It's a it's it's a underwhelming window for an underwhelming start to the season. Mm. Um, I mean, we've spoken at length about Wolves' struggles in front of goal. I think they've now sco- they've now attempted more shots at goal than Liverpool so far this season, and they yet to register a goal. Uh, Huang, uh, who you mentioned, of course, coming in uh, only on a loan deal, I believe, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I mean. It's an underwhelming window for an underwhelming start to the season for Wolves. I think I gave them a 5 out of 10. I think they're going to be closer to the relegation zone than we expect a Wolves side to be. I don't, I, don't expect them to see, I don't expect to see them in the top 10. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to give them a, a 4. After pinpointing every single Premier League club and picking out some real key transfers, I'd like to just 
squish that down a little bit more and I'd like you to pick out who will be your shining signing this season. I've spoken about him quite extensively uh, and it's a Manchester United signing. No, it's not Ronaldo. Uh, Rafael Varane. Okay. He's my more. shining signing. I, I mean, I'm not going to say it again what I think of the um, of the pairing between Maguire and Varane. I mm. think that's uh, the potential to be one of the best pairings in Europe. Certainly frightening on paper. I just think it's one of those... When it when the signing was made, I thought to myself, "Yeah, this is this is a team that are going to go for it." They've made their intentions known that they want to challenge at the very top, and I think the Rafael Varane signing sort of sent that message to me. Mm. So yeah, for me, it's a shining signing. I've gone for a London-based side for mine. I've gone for Crystal Palace and Odson Edward as ah, my yes. shining signing. Yes. I think to pick him up for fourteen point six million is completely risk-free. Smashed it for Celtic. It's time for his Premier League move. He has that swagger about him that suits Crystal Palace. The Zaha has it. The Ebire Eze has it. Elise has it. He just It's like a hipster signing that you usually associate with a Wolves or a Leicester. Mm. I think he'll come really good for Palace. Like we said, I think it's a Patrick Vieira pull. And I think when you compare it to Crystal Palace wanting Eddie Nketiah for £20 million, picking up Edouard for £5 million less than that, I think he's going to fly. From a signing that you think will do really well to a signing that you think won't, who is your window waste? You're going to hate me for this. Aaron, Aaron Ramsdale. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Talk to me. I just think there are better goalkeepers you could have got for less money. Sam Johnston, West Brom. Mm. It was only on the market for about 12 to £15 million. I'm not saying Aaron Ramsdale's a bad goalkeeper. Obviously, you've got that stat that he's made the most saves across the last two Premier League seasons. Yeah, 216 yeah. saves over so, two seasons. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that he's a bad player, but I just think that he could have got a better player for less money and then the money could have gone somewhere else to further improve the team. I've gone with Norwich's new boy, Josh Sargent. We spoke about him very briefly, the American as a waste for me, it's eight and a half million for somebody who doesn't guarantee you goals. When you are a team like Norwich, you need somebody to come in, especially for nearly nine million pounds, who's going to guarantee you to score goals. 13 and 72 for Bremen. He hasn't scored in his first three for Norwich. It's big pressure on such a young man. 21 years old and you're asking him to keep you up in the Premier League. Pookie will score a few, but he will dip for seven weeks and he won't find the target. Will Josh Sargent fill those boots? Not at all for me. He's my waste of a window. Thank you for joining us in our transfer special. It's been a, a pleasure to digest all of the clubs. I'm sure we've insulted every <laughs> single person at some point with some of our opinions, but thank you for joining us. We will be back when the Premier League returns. Thankfully, international football, I can't stand it. <laughs> I just want the Premier League to return. John, thank you for joining me as always. It's been an absolute pleasure having yeah. you. Yes, thank you very much. And we will see you next week. Cheers, guys.